Welcome to Confessions of a Higher Ed Social Media Manager, a podcast that addresses the do's, don'ts, and dynamics of the digital ecosystem specific to higher education. I'm your host, Jenny Lee Fowler. Join me every other week for discussions with some of the best minds in higher education social media management and marketing. Confessions of a Higher Ed Social Media Manager is a part of the Enrollify Network, a robust collection of podcasts designed to help higher education professionals like you grow. Explore our other shows at Enrollify.org or check out some of my personal favorites linked in the show notes below. Enrollify is made possible by Element 451, the leading AI-powered all-in-one student engagement platform helping institutions create meaningful, personalized, and engaging interactions with students. Learn more at element451.com. super excited to have Kellen Manning here with me today. Kellen currently works as the Director of Digital Public Relations for the Office of Strategic Communications at Penn State University, where he oversees the long-term strategy of the flagship Penn State social media accounts and the social media team. And in the past, he has worked at Boston University, MIT, and Harvard in digital and social media roles across alumni relations, student life, admissions, and undergraduate communications. Helen, welcome. Glad to be here. Thank you. I'm so glad you're here. I think it's just fitting that you are my first guest on Confessions of a Higher Ed Social Media Manager because I feel like you were there at the start of my journey at MIT. Yeah, you were just like a like you, you were, were just a, a voice on a on a phone call, random phone call asking me about a job asking me a job you're applying for. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I was like I think I'm going to apply for this job. Can you tell me more? And you were always super welcoming and super supportive and I'm um, a real fan of how you um how, you, you know, how you go about managing teams. So let's start off with how you got into social media. Did did it find you or did you find it? I think technically it's a little bit of both. It was completely accidental. I remember uh, like 2009, I had to, I was looking for what could be my final project in grad school. I had no idea. And at the time, like Twitter was just becoming like a thing. Like most of the tweets at the time were like everyone teaching people how to use Twitter. It was like Ashton Kutcher and like Alyssa Milano were like giving advice in Questlove. It was crazy. Um, and then Facebook was really big. And then there were a few other ones like Tumblr was just was still just around the corner. But I was like, oh, okay. What if I decide to call a bunch of like l- municipalities around the country and ask them how they're using social media and if they have a strategy and then build a report based off how people are doing it. Let's see what that is. Um, and in the meantime, I was gonna, I went to work for uh, the municipality I lived in um, to like be like their digital person as like an unpaid intern for like the length of my uh, my semester. And so when I came to I, like I call, I end up calling people in North Carolina, Colorado, like all around the country, asking like, how are you using Facebook? How are you using social? Or well, uh, like, what are your thoughts on it? Like, what? Are, and I just picking up a bunch of things and I put together this like social media report in like 2009 about like how I thought that Cranberry Township, which is the place I worked in, how they should be utilizing social media, like the the tips that I picked up from other schools, like what I think works. And then I just did that, and it was and then. Uh, flash forward, I'm looking for a job afterwards in Boston University calls me and they ask me if I have any experience. And I said, well, nothing like 
actual, but I did do this whole project that I can send you. (laughs) And from there, I got hired as a temp to be like their communications coordinator for the alumni association, where I was in charge of like their social media, their email marketing program, as well as their website content. Um, That's weird. In 2000, in 2011, you could be in charge of all that as just a, a temp. (laughs) (laughs) it's it's crazy to think of it now like (laughs) but back then that was very easily what you could be uh and then that's kind of how I just fell into it and then from there it's just kind of just building on well uh, you did a fantastic job apparently (laughs) and uh, but yes like I feel like these strategies have become and these tools have become more sophisticated and how we use them. So yes, we do not condone interns to ta- yeah. taking <laughs> taking charge of all of that. It's right? funny because like when I talk, I talk to like students, like when I get brought into classes or just like having conversations with people and I'm like, there's re- between being a temp and a director, a temp in 2011 and a director in 2024, I'm not doing anything differently. Like I'm in, because ch- I was completely in charge of everything. No one even asked me what I was doing on Instagram in 2012 or Tumblr or Facebook. And I was just like learning and like failing and like making mistakes and then learning from those mistakes and building out what I thought made sense. And now today it's the only difference is like, I'm telling other people to do it based on things I learned when I was like, not even a real employee. (laughs) You were the practitioner, like you did it and you learned. So one thing I think that you do really uniquely, or, you know, maybe you were one of the first adopters was you used social listening and monitoring to recruit creators. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, cause like, like I said, when you're like a temp that grew into a full-time position, but you're, you're in charge of all these things. I didn't have a team of people I could kind of go to. So I had to figure out how can I get help? Cause I, especially Boston university, I didn't go to Boston university for the job. That was the first time I ever been to Boston uh, was when I got hired for that. So it's like, I have to learn the culture. I have to do things to connect with alumni that bring in those memories. So I just started looking around and like asking the students who were interns and other, in other groups around me and asking them questions in terms of trying to find content. And as I went further into other jobs, whether it be MIT or Harvard, I started paying attention to what our audience was posting, whether it be alumni, students, faculty, and staff. And, and then I started realizing people were doing some really cool things that are highlighting uh, the school we work for. So why, what's stopping me from just like reaching out to them directly, like looking for their email or sending them a DM and inviting them to come talk to me so I can learn more and then potentially work with them. And so I started kind of going forward with that and, uh, and it, and it kind of took off from there and a lot of really cool things to where like community engagement, community collaboration and user generated content kind of been became my staple that I kind of taken from that really started at MIT when I started doing like every, uh, every week a student takes over or like I started reaching out directly to people I thought were doing interesting things and saying, can I have this to use here or can you do something similar for me? And now at Penn State, I have this team of people to where I'm directing to do it to where it's like we're reaching out, whether we see someone doing something interesting on TikTok, it just it's not just a repost. It's like, oh, they're doing something really cool. We could repost it, but why don't we just find their email address or just reach out to them directly on this platform and talk to them about it and see what we can kind of do in collaboration here. Okay, let's unpack that a little bit. So at MIT, you were reaching out to students, right? A lot of them were students? All of them were students. um, Okay. And so when you say, I liked this, was it an image? Can you, can, was it a video? It depends on the person. Like sometimes it could be like, I think this person is really funny. And I think the content they're posting, or whether it at the time, especially at the beginning of my team, it could be Tumblr. They're writing really cool things or they're taking really great pictures or they're utilizing the platform in a way I haven't seen before, but I've like, that could work for us too. 
So it started off with just me reaching out to ask them questions like, why did you do this? What do you get out of this? Like, uh, how do you feel like the reaction is? And then once I get a feel for them and I'm like, oh, I'd really like to work with this person. I get a good vibe from them. Uh, I bring up, well, would you want to do this? But for me, for a project I have in mind. And we kind of go from there. Um, I, I love that. And, and, and the response that you got was always positive. So yes, and that was I think that was the biggest lesson that like I had to because when I came into especially MIT like and I worked in their student life department to run their social media they really didn't have a social presence at the time so like I had to build that from scratch and a lot of time what it was is letting people know that student life existed at MIT because that was a new concept back in 2013-14 when I worked there because they're like <laughs> what is student life like what do you what do you do and then and then there was also this uh, idea of from people where it's like well MIT students don't really use social media that way so you're not really going to be able to connect with them or engage with them and so i just kind of said that i'm going I'm to prove that wrong so i'm going to i started reaching out to them and what and I you did and they you did yeah and what i found was like they at no point uh would anyone say no to me like a lot of them were like really excited just to just for the opportunity to represent uh, your institution like especially especially if you lead it with i think what you're doing is awesome i don't want you to change anything about it except and uh, like just don't swear don't do anything to get me fired don't do anything to get you in trouble <laughs> but who you are like these things that you're posting this is why I, this is what i like and i give them examples i'm like i saw you did this i love this and if you could do that, the only thing i ask if you're going to work with us is just be yourself don't think about like i bet they want me to sound this way because i don't feel like that's what connects people like that's that's like almost like that's like brochure strategy from like the 90s and 80s it's not authentic, right? <laughs> exactly. We want to hear like the authentic voice of the students and the character. Exactly. And so, uh, and from there, I've learned like anyone, if you, for the most part, 90%, 95% of the people you reach out to are more than willing to help you, especially if you let them know that you're reaching out because you like what they're doing. Okay. So flash forward, mm -hmm. you know, you're a director now. <laughs> you actually have a team. Yeah. <laughs> you have a team, but you still have brought that philosophy, right, mm -hmm. with you and onto your team. So tell me, can you tell me what your team is doing a little bit? Yeah. So basically we're kind of uh, – I, I believe that every part of your social presence should be used as a tool. It's not, these aren't just places where you go to post things and monitoring and listening shouldn't just be based off negative things. And so like, that means who are you following? Who's following you? Who are these people who are tagging you? Like look through their content, see what they're doing. Now with like the rise of TikTok and this idea of like algorithms and for you pages, who's popping up on your for you pages connected to your community? What's and what, and, and how can you, and how are they, doing the job that you that you're setting out to do is like showcasing your institution in in the best light in a way that connects them with other people and could bring people in and then it, once you see them doing those things you're like why why can't they just why can't we work with them a little bit and whether it be reaching out to them for a long-term project which is like internship roles to pay them or it's just a one-off to be like oh we see that you that you do all these really cool things where you're going and you're part of the club figure skating team and every day you just record this and you're getting a ton of reaction on yours. Why don't we showcase that type of content here? We reach out. So we reach out to the student. We say, hey, we like that you do this. You want to do this for our page? It's kind of introducing you. We're going to do it on TikTok. We're going to do it on Instagram. You're going to be talking to your peers, prospective students, and young alumni and showcase that experience. Or like the biggest one we did so far was when we reached out to one of the acapella groups and we said, your content like takes off on your page. So can we showcase this experience for us? And they like remade like a version of uh, Pitch Perfect. and and like the riff off and they did that and like 
to date, it has almost 4 million views on TikTok and over almost 2 million views on Instagram. And it's like utilizing these like stories. And that's the idea that they came up with, right? You just said, create something for us. Yeah. We just sit, we, we set up the meeting. We introduce who we are. We talk about what we want to do, which is this idea of first you start off with show, don't tell, which is the thing I got from MIT admissions, actually. Like that was a big part of that strategy. Um, and I kind of brought it to Penn State. And then this idea of we want to treat every part of this institution, whether it be campuses, whether it be the individual departments, students, faculty, staff, student groups, alumni, as individual puzzle pieces that stand on their own completely unique. And you can put them up there and it tells a story that's them. But then if you look at the whole thing, you get a feel for mm-hmm. what Penn State is at this moment. Mm-hmm. And it's across that. And I think thinking of it that way really opens the floodgates for things such as like showing your thriving, diverse communities doing really cool things. And you can come to Penn State and be, succeed by just being yourself and like growing within the in the directions that you choose to grow. There's mm-hmm. always a path here. And I think that's something I took with me from BU to MIT to Harvard to here. Mm-hmm. I love that description of p- all pieces of the of a puzzle. Um, I want I want to go back to what you said just a little bit earlier. Uh, you said, um, you know, you looked at for you who's coming up in your for you pages, like sort of digging in, um, and it sounds like you're doing that this all organically within platform. I think and I think a lot of times when people think social listening or monitoring, they think oh these are really really expensive platforms or tools that you have to buy or um, or seek out and i think a lot of this social the social listening monitor can just be done within platforms organically you just have to dig in a little bit right is yeah, I agree 100%. Most, I'd say most of our monitoring is done that way. Like if we're monitoring for issues, it really helps to be able to use something like Hootsuite or TalkWalker or, or BrandWatch, because then you can kind of get this aggregate of like, what's the conversation happening. But as we're looking to see what our community is doing, and that's the thing I push my team to do all the time. It's like, we spend probably more time watching these channels and seeing what trends are popping up, what students are doing? Is there something cool happening in a department or a lab that we can spotlight? Are there new people that we don't know about? What are the prospective students saying about us that we can kind of amplify? Can we take videos that they're creating and mash them together to make a really cool, like, this is the new class, which uh, Courtney, my assistant director, she did. She it, uh, That was the most amazing thing. She just started realizing that a bunch of students were like, uh, they had like t-shirt day when they picked their school and they were like doing this like, oh, Penn State, like across their chest. And she gathered like 15 videos and asked each individual student like, hey, can I use this? And just DM'd them all. And they were like, yes, sure. Yes, sure. And she ended up taking all the videos, downloading them, uh, smashing them together using CapCut and put out this really cool video where it's just a bunch of just the students like very happy that they got into Penn State. We posted that on uh, TikTok. We posted it on Instagram and it, and it did really well. You see a bunch of high school. St- we already have a bunch of high school students in our mentions like, let me in, let me in. And this one is like, oh, that's me. Oh, you're famous. And it's just like kind of grew from there. And so like you don't need all those tools, especially if you're just looking for collaborators. So like it's constantly just like digging in and then liking comments because that helps your for you go. The more Penn State centric content and Penn State students and alumni that we engage with on these platforms, the more we're going to get back and start seeing those so we can start seeing those. And then also keeping up like, oh, we're noticing these trends. And if you look through our DMs, like our intern teams, they're constantly DMing our account with like trends that they're picking up that they can use later. Uh, So utilizing all parts of every single platform you have may not make up 100% of what you can get from like these super strong, powerful monitoring tool platforms that they that exist but it can get the job done and really create like a and really help you create a sense of what your makes your place unique 
Totally. And and I think that's um, super smart. So um, you mentioned trends, and I'm just interested to know like, how you handle trends, or are they really important to your strategy? They are mainly because they, the thing that trends, like trends are basically like taking on what memes did when memes were a thing. It's like, it's like this relatable content that's told through a funny way that helps you connect, that helps you feel human or helps you be able to connect with the human condition and experience. So like you pull in these funny jokes and they're always, they always seem silly, but then once you dig into them, like you realize, oh, there's more to this than that. Like there's a reason why so many people are using this and so many people have these like experiences. So we pull those in and we make sure if you're using a trend that not only connects with like what's happening at our school, but it's also connecting with people who might just see it just because they relate to that situation. And that might lead to a student who felt like, I don't know about this school. And then that brings them and say, oh, that's exactly how I would feel. I would feel intimidated. I'd feel nervous in that situation. That sounds like a fun thing to me. Oh, that sounds like me. And that brings in more people to actually see the other things you're doing, which the stories you're trying to tell, the the quote unquote important things that you want to push when that's the idea of important is kind of like <laughs> kind of fake to me, but yeah. uh, because I think everything is important and that's the best way to do social. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so they're part of it. They can't be the only thing, but mixing them in, especially the ones that are first, the ones that are appropriate to just like in that makes in terms of just like being able to uh, not lose your job is always good. Um, but all these, but there's always ones that you can say, Oh, I wonder how, and that's a big question that might, that I push all the members of my team to ask is like, oh, that's cool. I wonder how it fits into Penn State or I wonder how it fits mm. into what we want to do because it's basically a sickness at this point. Everything I see, whether it's at, while I'm working or on TV or on when I'm watching YouTube or out in the open, I'm like, I wonder how I could get that, incorporate that into what we do on Penn State Social. That's the question I ask yeah, myself no, all that, the time. That's <laughs> a great, I will incorporate that. That's a, that's a great um, um, practice. But pulling you back to the social media and, um, you know, the listening and the monitoring, you know, you've started to reach out to faculty members. Is yeah. that correct? Yeah, that's that's the goal. Like, I mean, uh, we reach out, we work with our, because uh, the way that our team set up is like, we're the social media team, but we're in an office called strategic communication. Within strategic communication, you have the proactive team, which reaches out to news. You have the news team that's just pushed pushes in-house things on our newsletters. You also have the science writers. You also have the marketing team. Um, We collaborate with all of them. And so we work with the science writing team and the science research-based team to where they can kind of, they they say, oh, there's this really cool story that there's this really cool research happening or these uh, that might work on social if you're interested. I think one example that I have is... uh, one one of our students, uh, one not no, one of our science writers named Addie. She said we had this tick researchers, and she titled this email TikTok on TikTok. And I was like, that and we were like, yes. And so we like set up set up the meeting. I, I think this would be an awesome conversation. So we met with them, and we found out more about what they do. It's like these three scientists, and they just re- they through Penn State Extension School where they just do tick research because in the middle of Pennsylvania, it's really big because depending on whether you're hunting or whether you're just walking through a wooded area, ticks are mm. a major issue. So we were trying to figure out ways, like, how could we showcase this on on social? And, they were, and offhandedly, they were like, well, sometimes we, we race the ticks. And we we're like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> and like, yeah, we set up, like, little tick games so we see how fast they are so we compete. And, and we were like, yes, go with that. And so and we said, are, are you all? And we asked them, are you comfortable with, like, recording this yourself or sending us clips? And one of them was like, yeah, I'm on 
TikTok all the time. I think I can put it together. So they put together this really cool video where like they're t- they they set up three different type species of ticks on like a racetrack in the office, and they just set them free. But then they highlight each one how fast they're. But then each tick they spotlight, they give like some in depth research and knowledge about like, oh, this is the tick where this happens and this happens. This tick is brought up here. So like while it's funny and it's fun, That's you're also getting really cool information. That is so cool, and um. So you you identify these potential topics, and then you find the personalities. Is that sort of? Uh, and, and it seems like they're agreeable to it. You know, like, that's the conversations always starts with uh, what are you comfortable with doing? Like whether it's a student, whether it's faculty, whether it's staff, it's always like, so what do you have experience doing? What are you comfortable trying? Um, and making them feel comfortable with the idea. It doesn't have to be perfect. Like we, I know we have this film team that does amazing things, but a lot of times for us on the social team too, what we see is videos that aren't polished work as long as we're like upfront about it, not trying to make it pretend to be something it's not to where this is just a fun video. Like you could tell it's recorded yourself. And I think make, once they start feeling comfortable with that idea, then they kind of, then who wants to do it can take the lead. Um, so that's, that's, basically what we're pushing like we want to start working more with our or with researchers and faculty and then we have our students doing the same thing coming up with these ideas to figure out ways to collaborate towards because we're Penn State we're not just student life so we have to make sure we're bringing everyone in and then also alumni in that same fashion and it's not just TikTok I'm sure you you know find the content that fits the channel yeah I think we have six or seven channels so we have Facebook Twitter slash X TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, those are our main spaces. And some some content goes across all platforms. We think it works there. But sometimes we go in things like, oh, this is just an Instagram story because our Instagram audience is our current students and young alumni. And we think this falls right into that sweet spot. Or this is just for TikTok. This is on, the only people we're going to be interested in are the people who are uh 12 years old and higher who just want to, who are learning about Penn State and just want to get excited about it. And it's like their dream school. So like, and this is directed towards those people who don't really know much about Penn State or don't really much about the college experience, but they're in the beginning of thinking about it. So we want to connect with them there. Or if it's a LinkedIn, we're like, oh, so this is like more of the professionals uh, platform that's also kind of an older alumni base. The same thing with TikTok. So mm-hmm. how can we connect with, how can we get this group to remember that one, there's still value in your degree, especially on LinkedIn. So we want to push that idea of like value in the Penn State degree, degree achievements that are happening, like these cool things are still happening here. While then there's also that aspect of it where like on Facebook, you want to say, here's your opportunity to reminisce about the times you had at Penn State, or this is the experience that your sons or daughters are having on campus that you that you might want to be proud of that they're doing. So it, we always think about these different platforms in those different ways. And so, yeah, yeah so it, I, it's not a uniform thing. I think that's great. So you're optimizing each platform. You're optimizing the content for each yeah. platform, which I think that's the way to go. Excellent. Um, so do you have one last question for you? Is So now that you're the boss, <laughs> is there something that you've done in the past that maybe you wouldn't agree to now that you're you're in charge so so i you've you've seen me for a, a good portion of my journey of being like and I, <laughs> yes i had my 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 first instinct is always to be a bit rogue in terms of like i'm just gonna try and see what happens and that kind of started from beginning from like a lack it was a complete lack of oversight that led to me being who i am today and like figuring out on the run and so i think <laughs> but the, it's so good so i think one of the big things i did was like when i was when i was working at harvard um i was in charge of the instagram so i and i and i just saw a documentary 
by the Beastie Boys called I Shot This. And basically they gave 50 cameras out to 50 members of the audience and said, just record and then give us the cameras later. And they built the documentary based on all this fan footage. So I was like, that's a cool idea. What if I gave the password of our Instagram account to 26 students? Like, I don't even, I didn't even know if Instagram would accept that many people with the path, with the app. But turns out they do. Mm-hmm. You can have as many people <laughs> on the app posting as you want, I guess. And so I met with all of them. I sent them all in emails and I said, this is my idea. And it was based around this thing called housing day where they decide where they learn what house they're going to be moved into after their first year. And so it just seems like this really cool thing with all these different perspectives. And I'm like, it's a shame that we only capture it in like pictures and it, you don't get the feeling. It doesn't feel as chaotic as it is in real life. So if I get all these personalities, all these different types of people to post at the same time in stories, because I want it to feel like it's just like so, you're popping up here, you're popping up there. And then every now and then it'd be that one person who really doesn't care about the day. So they're doing something totally different. So it's like a quiet moment. <laughs> then it goes back. And so like, and I, and so I thought about it and they put it together and it was just, and I thought it was really cool, but as you said, I probably yeah, I wouldn't what's, do it. What's the but? So, the, <laughs> so there's better ways to what? do it now. Uh, and I think the biggest thing is like, okay. Okay. what like with stories, like you have those sections and I realized like, if you have 26 people and they post five times each, that is so many sections and no one's even getting to the end. And so and so I think I learned a lot from that. And I could still take that thing, like that idea that I originally had. But then I could just say, hey, you, you and you, I want you to all to send us uh, footage from that you're gathering from this day. And then we can put it together as a reel or a short or a full YouTube video or TikTok. And then we can push it into something that's um, that's digestible in 15, 30, 60, 90 seconds. And you can kind of get that same feel. Then you can then you can actually control like what people see in the beginning. Because one of the things that we're experimenting now is like, we're learning like if you have these longer videos, it's and that include a lot of people, maybe in the first five, three to seven seconds, which is the most important part where we want to grab the most attention, maybe chop it up and introduce everyone who's going to be a part of it in really quick succession. So then like, especially if you're doing students, because then people see their friends instantly like, oh, I know that person. Mm -hmm. They'll comment, they'll share like, oh, watch this video. Mm -hmm. And then it'll grow. And so uh, the idea I think is great. And I still utilize and think about that to this day and still have elements of it. Utilizing, putting it in stories it was like diminishing returns. Like in the beginning, it was cool. But then who's going to, by the time you get to the 50th post and then you see that you still have 60 left, it's like, I'm done. And then you move on. Yeah, that's a long story. So no, but you, so you learned from it and now you've made it better, but you still have the essence of like, let's try it. Yeah, I do. Let's go. Yeah. You still have that sort of mentality, which I I think is great. I think experimentation is so important. It makes a lot of people nervous. Like, I, I, but especially that. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I don't even think I get, like, if someone pitched that idea to me now, it's like, we're going to give 26 random people this account. What do you think? I'd like, I probably still say, okay, let's give it a shot to see what happens. But just like I was that day, I was nervous the whole day that someone was going to do something that they weren't supposed to do and I wouldn't catch it. <laughs> I agree 100% though. Like I learned a lot from that. And it's just a cool story to kind of like tell people like, well, I've grown a lot in terms of like how, (laughs) how risk, how how non-risk averse I was. And it's a little bit different now, but that spirit is still there. It's like, let's try things. Okay. Okay. So Kellen, since this is Confessions of a Higher Ed Social Media Manager, what is your confession? So I, I guess it would center around... Let's let's end it how we started. I like it's like symmetry. So like we started with that story about like how I did the social media report and I got the job at BU, 
Well, around that time, like there was like months in between grad school and getting hired, like I think nine months. And I was applying five jobs a night. I was like working at Best Buy in like a nursing home. And just every time I get home, just five <laughs> jobs a, a night. And then I started realizing like no one's pulling me in. So I started looking at the application. I started noticing a lot of people were asking for HTML uh, experience, like coding experience. I had none. I had never learned. So I said, I wonder if I could put that on the application and then teach myself how to code before I got hired. And so, and, so, yes. and so I was like, okay, this is, and I was like, it's, it's risky because like, if I get hired before, if somehow I get hired before and I don't know how to code, it's going to come out and I'll lose my job. So then like instantly I put it on, I applied for a job specifically from that BU job because email marketing and email marketing is based off like a little bit of HTML and CSS. So I said, I could do this. And so I told them and I'm like, and, and I, during the whole interview process, like I bought a book at Barnes and Noble, and I'm looking at Code Academy, and every single day I'm like reading t- multiple chapters, doing exercises, and it turns out at the end of the hiring process there was an HTML test that I had to take. Oh, oh. <laughs> and it was they were serious, yeah. And so like, and then like I passed the test, <laughs> and so like, and so like, but it's like. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad. But yeah, I passed, <laughs> ended up passing the test and it was, a, and I, I successfully taught myself in a matter of like a month how to like do enough coding to where I could get the job. And then like I, from there, I, I took what I learned and I just learned on the fly more because a lot of coding, especially my time working at MIT, I learned it's just looking up like what code works for here. How can I do this? And oh, then insert. It's true. <laughs> and I didn't, so true. And I didn't know that at the time, but to get my foot in the, even into the door, I'd had to take a risk and uh, because it's like if no one's hiring me, so I have to do something that's different and it worked out. So I wouldn't even be here if I wouldn't have like just stretched a little bit in terms of what I knew. I love it. I love it. That is a super great confession and a really good tip. And sometimes I think that the best way to learn something is like trial by fire. Yeah, that really gets you up to speed. And like, I'm a child. I like, I, I, I just in college, like, I spent a lot of time. Did you start with, to say I'm a child. <laughs> I, I'm a child of like early internet, to where like everything was available, and like at for like whether it was legitimately available or you or you just popped up. Like, I think of like seeing CNET used to have like download.com where you could download trial versions of any software that exists. And so I was like, oh, I taught myself how to do Photoshop based off that. I taught myself how to use like a Fruity Loops for music production when I had a radio station to be able to put an intro together. I could teach myself how to code. And it's like, it's a little bit of delusional confidence, but like, I think you have to have that because like social and it's worked with me so far because social is constantly changing. So like, as you get a new platform, you can't be intimidated by what's next. You have to say, oh, I can learn this or I could at least... Be or I have to. I have to know enough to at least be able to talk to the people who know it well, because I never want to be that person in the room who's like, either has unrealistic expectations because they don't know what they're talking about, and so they're asking too much of people, or that you realize you're so disconnected from what exists that like, if you were to be removed from your management position, you're like, I don't know what else I could do. So that's my biggest fear. So there is wisdom in that, my friend. I love it, and. With that, Kellen, thank you so much. No problem. This was a great conversation. And thank you for spending your time with us. Of course, anytime. Yeah, you, you know, you reach out to me at any time. I think this was fun. I look forward to hearing the rest of your episodes. I'm so glad that you have this show. Very proud of you. So keep it up. Confessions of a Higher Ed Social Media Manager is part of the Enrollify Podcast Network. If you like this podcast, chances are you'll like other Enrollify shows too. 
Our podcast network is growing by the month, and we've got a plethora of marketing, enrollment, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks, all designed to empower you to be a better higher ed professional. Our shows help higher ed marketers and admissions professionals find their next big idea and feature a selection of the industry's best as your hosts. Learn from Jamie Hunt, Allison Tercio, Mallory Wilsey, and so many others of your favorite leaders in higher ed. Enrollify is made possible by Element 451, the leading AI-powered all-in-one student engagement platform, helping institutions create meaningful, personalized, and engaging interactions with students. Learn more at element451.com.